we recorded today's podcast yesterday at about 3 p.m., so we had recorded before C.J. Gunn had announced his commitment to Indiana. We kind of talked about it a little bit, but we definitely are going to expand on it during the next podcast. Welcome to episode 51 of Courts at Indiana podcast. We are recording, since we're going to get some big recruiting news later today, we are recording at 2.55 on Sunday. Second half of the Pacer game just started. Indiana just beat Iowa at the college level. And we are not going to know much about, we won't know C.J. Gunn's decision uh, until halftime of the Super Bowl. So we're going to record this anyway. And we will probably add a little addendum before, before it gets published. And then next week we'll break down Gunn's commitment. But joining me as always is Zach Tyler. Zach, how was your week? Hey, slow week for me. I did one game this week. You did? Uh, so, you, so your yeah. best game is going to be easy? Best game is going to be easy. Girls sectionals shut me down for Friday night. I didn't try to find anything Friday. Just took a night off. Yeah, the only really great, you know, obviously our opinion, the only really strong game Friday night was Carmel Fisher's which I'm going to touch on later. Um, the only reason why it was last night is because Fisher's had so many games postponed that they're running out of days to make these games up. I mean, they're, they're in an NBA schedule. Uh, if you, if you haven't noticed, hold on, I'm going to pull it up here real quick. They play something ridiculous. Um, uh, you know, and you're thinking, wow, Carmel has to play Fishers the night after they, a big win over Lawrence North. And you're thinking, well, what's Fishers done with their schedule? But, so February 4th at Westfield, the 5th against Carmel, the 8th, which is Monday, tomorrow, at Brownsburg, the 9th, home against Anderson, the 11th, home against Avon, the 12th, home against Pendleton Heights. And then Eesh. they followed up next Tuesday and Friday, kind of getting back to normal. So basically that's – um, well, one, two, three, four, five, six games in nine days, right? Is that my six games in eight days, basically? Uh, the only two days off are Sunday and, and Saturday for them since last Thursday. So, wow. and how many of those games are makeup conference games? Uh, conference games, one, two, three of them are conference games. I don't know that they're all makeup games. I know the okay. Brownsburg game is a makeup game. Right. Um, I don't think West, I'm sure the Westfield game was regularly scheduled. So Carmel was rescheduled. Brownsburg was rescheduled. And then I really don't know if the Avon game was rescheduled. Right. And this is also the time of year where some teams are, will throw in a three game week to prepare for sectionals. Sure. Um, <laughs> they, so they probably had a little bit of that going on with, say, Anderson, Avon, and Pendleton Heights. Although Anderson did have some games postponed earlier, so that may be a reschedule also. But but then you sprinkle in Brownsburg to start the week, and all of a sudden you're playing a four-game week. You're basically playing like an eight-team sectional. <laughs> um so they'll be tested coming out of next week. And um, I thought Nick Baumgart had a great tweet. We're kind of skipping a couple of things here, but I thought Nick Baumgart had a great tweet 
I don't think anybody had a better weekend than Fishers beating Westfield Thursday and Carmel on Friday. And um, it's just kind of hard to do that. I mean, it's just right. kind of hard to any, – any team to stack two wins like that back-to-back, especially when one of them was literally just thrown in. So, Sure. Uh, so I recruiting, can, we don't have oh, to go. What were you going to say? I can stick on that COVID track. I was made aware that a team up here, I'm not going to mention the team name, unfortunately. I don't want to do that right now because I'm not sure it's it's uh, actually going to happen. Uh, and it hasn't oh. been announced locally, but there will be Does a it, team that sounds like we'll get shut down for a couple weeks. Does it matter that we mention it? I mean, it's not like it's indicting anybody. Well, I mean that's that is true, I suppose. But I, I mean, if, if, if you think it's okay, we you can, want me to take the heat. Things. You want me to take the heat. Go ahead, Central take Noble. The heat. Central yes. Noble might might be out for a couple of weeks. Yes, I don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with talking about it. I, it's the timing of it sucks. Better than maybe missing the tournament. Sure, for sure. And, and we don't know. I think a lot of it, if it's it's contact tracing, they may be able to avoid it, like a complete shutdown. Right. Right. But if any of their kids, especially if any of their key kids gets it, it's going to be hard for them not to shut down for, for what, at least 10 days, right? A week to right. 10 days, depending right. on. And that may be a county by county. Um, because you know those guys, if it's one of your core pieces, you know those guys are all working together in close proximity, you know, film, locker room, always on the bench together, you know, just stuff like that. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's any big deal talking about, you know, throwing that out there. It's not like we're accusing anybody of being irresponsible, right? So, right. Um, but I appreciate the discretion. <laughs> we're not just trying not to just throw it because it's funny. We're gonna we're gonna break into this Greenwood Christian thing, and you talk about some poor discretion, some poor journalism. Um, but we'll get to that in a quick bit. So. Um, get us up to date on recruiting the one offer this week. And again, for anybody that lists, you know, for those that listen, it's, this is the stuff that we see reported on social media. This is the stuff that we get from coaches and every now and then from families. So, right. Yeah. Don't be afraid to shoot us, shoot us a text or or a a message or something for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. You've got my Twitter, you've got your Twitter, you've got the site's Twitter. Um, I don't think either one of us are huge on Instagram, although I've got, yeah, I don't even have accounts. Um, so if we, anytime there's recruiting news, especially of the offer, the official stuff, offers and commitments, feel free to throw it at us at any point. Right. So, right. so go ahead and get us going. Yeah. So we'll move uh, on. Carter Stolstis from up here, Northridge got a Goshen offer. And as we were speaking here a second ago, we had uh, a commitment actually. Oh crap. Good uh, for us. Isaac Vensel has committed to the uh, USMMA, right? What is that? Oh, the Merchant Marines. Yeah, Merchant Marines. Yeah, you know they've they've been they have managed. I can't remember who the last one was, but they went through a stretch where they got two kids from Indiana about a decade ago. So good for him. Well, congratulations to Isaac on that commitment. Um, he was going to be one of our one of my. Uh, five on fives this week. So I guess we can do somebody else now. Yeah. We started that feature last week and we're basically noting 
and we're gonna we'll keep that going even during the off season. Uh, just talking about guys that don't really have that don't that certainly aren't committed maybe even leaning on toward the direction of those that have um that can use a little bit more publicity but but yeah Isaac was going to be on my short list for this week and so now I can go do someone else so uh tell us a little bit about the about Stoltzis uh did I pronounce that right Stoltzis yeah yeah I was actually gonna do some uh do a write-up on him and on a five on five for Northern Indiana this week. Were you okay? Um, good. Yeah. What's his best talk, talk a little bit about his strengths, just not, not to bury your work later, but yeah, big time shooter, big time competitor, uh, gets after it the whole game. Uh, I, probably I've been told by a couple coaches, actually not probably, but I've been told by a couple coaches that he is the, the, uh, second best player in that conference actually behind Trent Johnson from, from Mishawaka high school. Really? So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I don't want to really tell too much more about him, but, but uh, that'll be out later this week. Good. Uh, get to the good news. Uh, Brewer, Jaden Brewer, our free brew, our free brew alert. <laughs> you know, he was finally declared fully eligible. Uh, by the by, the courts, you know, and I, I I will say sometimes the ITSA can be pretty dispassionate about their rules. I'm going to defend them a little bit in that regard, even though it's not always popular to, to defend them. They don't they do battle the extent of their rules to the fullest, or they do battle the rules to the fullest extent because they don't want people violating them without thinking there's going to be some sort of you know some sort of hurdle or you know obstacle or consequence uh but i will say that i agree with the judges ruling that well i i don't know they they have a pretty narrow view of what hardship means it, it's not even specifically defined in the rule book but i know there have been some instances where kids have have claimed academic hardship and have had the mediocre grades to i guess prove it and we are looking for a different environment. Usually that's going from big school to small. And the ITSA has in the past ruled those situations as not hardship or not hardship worthy. This situation with the mother, the, the work schedule's changing, the distance to Avon, even though it didn't change, you know, it didn't get farther, but it got tougher. I mean, I, I, I guess I agree with the judge in that instance. I mean, I, I thought he should have been eligible for an even simpler reason, which is he transferred the school that the public school that's in the district that he resides. So, right. right. We kind of argued that from the beginning, basically. Absolutely. I, and I know that rule is not written that way, but there's no reason why it shouldn't be. Right. Um, you know, it'd have been better. He, he would have been eligible right away. If they moved to Brownsburg and he went to Brownsburg, he would have been eligible immediately. And that's, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's silly. I hope this rule, I hope this ruling will cause them to add a little addendum to their transfer rule about schools that are in district, because I think from now on, they're going to lose those court battles. Um, anytime somebody, anytime somebody transfers now to the public school where they live, they're just going to say, this is why, you know, they're going to pull up some hardship and it's going to go to court. And the ITSA is going to lose. 
So they're better off just adding a little bit of a change to the rule or making a change to the rule and, and not fighting it. It's just silly. You know, if a kid lives in Carmel and goes to Brabuff and all of a sudden decides he wants to, or the other way, the kid lives in, let's say, got to name schools where they don't have closed enrollment. Anyway, I think you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. And I think you agree. So yeah. <laughs> we've we sort of both agreed on this. I'm usually, I usually like the idea that you can't just, I like the idea you can't just transfer for the sake of transfer. Definitely. Um, I know a lot of people disagree with that. Let the kids do what they want, et cetera, so forth. But that just takes away any level of accountability on the kids part to actually, if there is some sort of difference of opinion with the coaching staff or, or, or even an academic situation. Um, I don't think people should be able to run from their problems. And that wasn't the case this time. And there, there was really no reason no practical reason for, for Brewer not to be eligible. So I'm happy for him and he's playing well. He's fitting in pretty well so far. And, and BD looks like a different team. So, so could this, went, this could have been all avoided had Avon just released him or is it I assume that? so. As long as there was no back channel information like there was in the Aaron Gordon deal. Right. Cause I believe Aaron Gordon was released by North central, but there were some back channel communications that kind of screwed him over. And, you know, Cathedral decided much earlier in the process that they were going to play him no matter what. Now, I think Gordon's were a little quicker to the court situation. You know, I don't know how much of that is financial. Um, you know, how much of that has any financial concerns? I mean, obviously with Eric being in the NBA, you know, and being an NBA player and, and his dad – I mean, they have money before Eric got drafted. Them going to court for something like this wasn't too difficult. I don't know why it took why it took so long for Brewer to get this point if they didn't think about it, or if they just had to figure out the right representation. So, so because would this have been an instance where Avon is is just not going to release somebody and then have it burn them next time? You think, or if you know what I'm saying. I think schools have some schools have policies. They don't release anybody. Right. You know, and, and what, and look, unless Avon changes their, unless a school changes their story, which they're not going to do. Once they submit the transfer paperwork, they're out of it. I mean, we can dislike that situation as much as we want. There's not a whole lot of follow-up, you know, when, once the IHSAA makes a ruling on the, on the original school, in this case, the original school being Avon. Yeah. That's my understanding of it. But yeah, if they had signed off on it, we'd have been, we'd have been fine. And I don't blame them for not signing off on it. I, again, I, if schools have their line in the sand, that's fine. I hope they're consistent with it. That's my biggest thing. Yeah. Consistency. But I mean, God, you know, these sectionals change so much. Hold on a second. I think Avon and – is Avon and Ben Davis in the same sectional now or not? No, they're not anymore. You know, for a while they were in the same yeah. sectional. But I know sometimes schools will say we're not going to release a kid because we don't want to face him in a tournament. 
Sure. You know, and, they, and they'll take a different view if a, if a kid goes from a big school or goes to a school in a different class. But again, as long as they're consistent with it, you, you can't take the, the dislike of a situation too far. Um, but this just made too much sense. And, and really, I think the IHSA dropped the ball on it. And uh, they, they should have been taking the bigger view than what the schools would even be responsible to consider. So, but yeah, you're right. It would be easier if Avon just would have signed off on it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Greenfield or Greenwood, sorry, Greenwood Christian Academy. So Monday, a report came out in the Daily Journal, which is a Johnson County newspaper, that IHSA violations have been alleged Green, at Greenwood Christian. Greenwood Christian is, is in Johnson County, correct? So for yes. those who don't know, okay. Yeah, it's in Green, yeah, Greenwood, yep. The allegations were made by a parent, uh, Scott McCorkle. He's had several kids go through that school. Um, he's got two children there now. What his older son that's there starts, plays most of the game. His younger son, as I understand it, is part of the the rotation. Um, so there's no real tangible reason why a parent with two children who are getting considerable amounts of playing time would would try to raise issues like this. And and not saying that they're they should hold off if if there's actually a legitimate issue. But it just really appears that not only are there no legitimate issue here, but the, the vetting process by the reporter, Ryan O'Leary, who we have not tried to reach out to yet, he is more than welcome in the, I, I wasn't gonna have him on, wasn't gonna reach out to him for today, wasn't gonna do it. If he wants to talk about it going forward, we'll have him on. Uh, but his vetting process was terrible. Uh, this, this article is terrible. I, I should make full disclosure. Johnny Marlin is a kid that played for me. It's a relationship, uh, especially friendship with his father that I've maintained uh, from the beginning. Um, has no bearing on my, on my thought process. Um, it is... Um, you know, he trains kids in the off season. So there can be some gray areas there, I guess, that maybe I know when I've talked about coaching here in Carmel, especially when Coach Hetty was coaching, there was some questions of do I train kids? Do I get paid to train kids? And the answer was no. And then so that was the end of that discussion. So just to put some background um, to what you were saying earlier, his one of his sons is the senior is averaging almost 21 points a game, yep. three assists, six rebounds, leading score. I, I just nobody knows the motivation. Um, I have not talked to Johnny about this, Coach Marlin, at all. But I have dug around. I have spoken with two of the parents named in the or well, one of the parents named in this suit and or in this issue and one of the parents sort of implied to be involved. So we'll, we'll go down piece by piece here and sort of discuss how silly some of this is. Uh, the, the first part of this is Marlon 
there's a, a screenshot of a text, which is why an adult is passing around the screenshot of a text from a teenager, another kid's, another person's teenager is beyond me. But the allegation is that Marlon, Coach Marlon, was communicating improperly with the player, Derek Peterson, while he was enrolled at Center Grove. And that's just not true. The, the timing as such will be made available if, if requested. They, they have the timestamps. They have they – can, they can note when he was enrolled at Greenwood Christian – and they can they can note when discussion when communication was made with Center Grove that he was transferring. So it's not accurate. Why a reporter wouldn't vet that out is beyond me, especially in the context of a school violating state association rules. It just it's it's irresponsible. As, as to my knowledge, there was no communication attempted between the reporter and the, and the, the parent in this case to see if there's any sort of timing matchup on, you know, when Peterson was enrolled at Greenwood Christian, when, even when he informed center Grove, even though he doesn't really have to inform center Grove to participate in the summer, he just has to be enrolled at the school. Right. <clears throat> And it doesn't even say Johnny did anything. It says he may have violated. So we're not. Well, yeah, all of it's, yeah, all of this can be hedged. Speculation. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and the other thing too, is this, I, I, I know the Peterson kid, that's an age group I coach. I know the Peterson kid played with Greenwood Christian in the month of June. Um, I know that for a fact. And I know that for a fact, again, because of an additional relationship with the coach Han at center Grove, I'm, I'm close with him I coached his brother he had a lot of high hopes for that class of 2020 and one by one through circumstances one family had to relocate to Michigan or go back to Michigan uh, one player transferred to Greenwood and then Peterson transferred to Greenwood Christian Academy and I got a text message saying well the the final one left and that was Peterson going to Greenwood and then I saw him play with the, with the team as they finished out the month to do that, you have to be enrolled. And the father flat out says they've got the time, you know, they've got the timing to prove that Derek was already enrolled at, at Greenwood Christian. There's no reason for them not to be honest about it because the kid's long gone. Um, he's, he's not going to be impacted at all. He doesn't play. I don't, he, he's currently not playing. He's, he's seeking a situation where he can play. Um, but there's, there's no reason for them not to be upfront about that. Uh, the other one, the, the interesting one was naming the, where it says they are alleged to have provided false information to the IHSAA about Tim, yeah, Adetukazi, am I if I'm pronouncing that right? Looks right. Yeah, it looks like that situation's already been litigated. I'm not even sure why that's in here, other than just maybe background information. But that's not alleged. That actually happened, as it as I'm reading it. Right. So Oracle they were put on. Pro- that, yeah, he's saying that the, that the self-reporting was incomplete, though. 
and that's fine. Well, <laughs> I don't know. There, I don't know how it could be incomplete. Here's what happened. The kid played. He wasn't enrolled at the time. That's it. In the summer, you don't all again. All you have to do is be enrolled to to participate in any off season activities. That includes that includes practices. He just right. couldn't participate in actual games. He could do the entire month of June. He could participate in workouts in June and July. He could participate in workouts in the fall. He could participate in practice. And that's what it's it like. He just basically was playing with them in June and July. That's all it says, right? Right. And there's the only rule that impacts that is you just must be enrolled. Now, did they fudge on that? I don't know, but I don't know why it's still talked about. It's being alleged. It looks like they've already been penalized for playing this kid. Um, you know, for improper tuition benefit. I mean, that's bigger than that's a bigger penalty than playing a kid who wasn't enrolled. Right. Pay to play. Yeah, sort of. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, all the, those all those schools have their grants and they go through the finan- same financial aid process you go through for college. So at least in the FAFSA end. Right. Not even sure why this is part of it. It's I mean, it's a large chunk of the article, and it's just not relevant. Um, and then the other part of it is to a north side, a player from the north side who transferred in. All I can say is that's Isaiah Davis. He's not named. I don't. I don't know why they got to be secretive about who it is. They, I mean, that's for the you know he transferred down from Zionsville. Uh, they know nothing of this. They know nothing of what's being reported. Um, so I don't, you know, this other stuff is just a parent basically who has been, I don't know if, I don't know if he's not allowed to be in the school or if he's not allowed, if they're just not, they're not taking anything he says seriously beyond this point. That's what it looks like. I mean, it, you know, and the notion that Marlon did not dispute a single allegation, you know, there's a time and a place where you where you make such disputes. I don't know that it's necessarily in direct communication with a parent, right? Doesn't know parent involved. anything. Doesn't know doesn't know that parent anything. The the training part where he, where kids who use him as a trainer get more playing time that it's that it's suggested. You know, my I first of all, I doubt it. Johnny's Johnny's not that type of person. He's going to play players that give him the best chance to win games. Period. Short of short of any issue, doesn't need money. Um, short of any issue that you know involves, you know, not being allowed to play, like you know, in a school, like somebody gets suspended or has detentions or any disciplinary thing. I guess where I'm going with that. He's going to play kids that that help him win games. That's what he's going to make those decisions based on. It doesn't mean parents won't talk. That doesn't mean somebody will who's not happy with their kid's role or not happy with their kid's playing time are going to try to blame something else like this. Um, and it's just not – I don't know. I would, there would have to be significant proof before I would even write that from a journalistic perspective. Right. 
I think part of this is really nothing to do with, with McCorkle. I mean, he has, he's, he has every right, I guess, to do what he wants to do as far as this stuff goes. I'm almost looking at it from the standpoint of the journalistic process that went into producing this article and how poorly vetted it was. And especially when you're, you're alleging things of a school that could impact all these kids without doing any factual checking up on it whatsoever. Um, right, besides what, reaching out whole, to Willie, you know, Jason Willie. Yeah. I'm, what's the whole point of this thing? Like, what are we trying to get out of this? What's the goal? I mean, I guess if you're a small town paper, which I mean, I would consider like even a Carmel paper to be small town paper. If, if, you know, if you're a paper that is, you're a local paper, let's go there. I guess it's juicy to get some sort of investigative opportunity. But if that's the case, man, this thing sucks. <laughs> this right. thing's awful. Yep. Um, like I said, it was poorly it was poorly vetted. Some of it doesn't even the the I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher his name. The added the a debt to Kasi doesn't even doesn't even apply to the situation. I guess I mean, if they were to get in trouble, the back the, the backstory would be that they're you know they already suffer probation, so this might be a second offense and right. they might get a harsher penalty. But, Another but, connection I could see with him would be just Johnny played at Iwu. Now this kid's playing at Iwu. Yeah, but that's the back end of it. Unless they're right. alleging that he was somehow steered, right? That's not even against any rule, right? No, I know. I'm like, just trying, to, trying to connect a potential dot, maybe. I don't know. That would be an NAIA issue. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that would be. I don't. You know, I don't know what that is. Would be. And and he's the saying, kids, right? And I'm not saying he had anything to do with that. I was just making a connection with with that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I'm just saying. Let yeah, let's pretend it's part of it. It's still. It's not a yeah. It's not a rule violation. I don't right. know. It's just again. I don't. I don't get. I don't get McCorkle's motivation. I don't know if it's. I mean, his son's having a heck of a year. Yeah. And you talk about a team that was robbed from an opportunity to win a state championship. That group they had last year at one A was was a team that was robbed of a chance to play for a state championship. I think if we go back, I think I have them winning it. If we remember, we did the the initial po right. our first podcast was us sort of projecting out the remainder of the state tournament. Yep. I think if I if I'm I think I picked them to win it. Um. And again, it, you can sort of dismiss this as. I mean, it's easy to take the harsh view of McCorkle and say he put this stuff out there. I mean, he's obviously he's I think he's friends with some of these people or has been friends with some of these people. But just the nature of the journalism is just terrible. And I don't know who this Ryan O'Leary is. I, I don't know. I, you know. I don't read any of his other work. I'm, and I'm not trying to be a jackass. You know, to him, just there's just some poor judgment in this article. Um, you know, I don't. It's you know, I don't know. It'd be curious to see what happens. 
I don't think they're going to get anywhere with it. I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, again, because you are talking about, you know, kids that could lose, probably not this year, but kids that could lose, you know, a season because something like this, I just would, you know, something like this takes hold. I would just make damn sure that you're close to being accurate. And right now it doesn't look like they're close to being accurate. So even the text messages to the the player who enrolled from the north side of Indianapolis, I, you know, you'd have to really – the kid enrolled in March. <laughs> you know, the kid enrolled in the spring. He was – Isaiah Davis was at Greenwood Christian before the school year was over. I shouldn't say March. I don't know that it was March. Um, but anyway, um, anything else on that? No, I think we got a lot covered there on that one. Other than, I guess if I'm going to drag a school through the mud, I'd want to be accurate, you know? Right. And I, yeah, I would just like to know the parents, the parents, uh, purpose behind all this too. I, I mean, Isaiah is getting, getting more recruiting tension but that's pretty deep i mean that, that's just a fact he is right and i've never seen the mccorkle kid play so he's good yeah i mean obviously <laughs> i he's went good. down he's and watched it the, i mean covenant christian beat the snot out of him when i went down there to watch him play but he's good he did i mean he didn't have a great game that game but i've i mean i've seen him play well um and you could see his skill set at, at his size, about 6'6". Six, six. They just did not play very hard that game. And I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know, you know, I don't know anything other than that. Right. I don't watch enough of them to know what they do, how, you know, how they're functioning, how well they were executing. Covenant Christian just outplayed them. I mean, Covenant Christian obviously did well in the city tournament. They got to the final four and gave Christmas Attics a heck of a game in the semifinals. Yeah. I mean, Covenant Christian is going to be a team that makes some noise in March at the 2A level. But that's just to say that it wasn't like Greenwood Christian lost to a bad team. They lost to a really good team. And the McCorkle kid, you know, coming in, he he looks the part. He's – and he plays the part. Just that game, they didn't play very well. Isaiah Davis didn't play very well that game, even though I think he he scored pretty well. There just was no resistance inside for them on either end of the floor. So, yeah, I can't – I don't know. There's there's no obvious answer for the, the parental mo- motivation. I'm right. sure he thinks he's doing the right thing. Like Especially a, when, yeah, your own kid's involved. Yeah. At the school. You know, in the Peterson deal, I did talk to the father, and he didn't just transfer his son to Greenwood Christian. He he transferred his whole – his other kids go to Greenwood Christian. And they actually moved. So they they, they sold a house. They, they bought a new house. I don't think it makes getting to Center Grove – too big of an obstacle. 
but I think it did put him a lot closer to the, to the Greenwood side of that district of that township. I don't really know. I think there's, I think they each have their own township. It's not like Carmel. Um, it's more like Hamilton Southeastern where Fishers has one township and HSC has another. Um, but it did put them closer to the Greenwood part of the county. But that really didn't have much to do with it. I don't, I don't know which came first. But anyway, that's all I got on that. Unless you've got anything or a question nope, or. Nope. I think we got it. Uh, best games, best performances, or best teams, best performance. You, you went to one game, so you won. This is easy. Uno, so yeah, I'm going to be talking all about the same game. What basically, games you see? Basically the same team. Uh, I went to the Michigan City at South Bend Adams game. Oh, that'd be a good uh, one anyway. Yeah, I wanted to check that one out. Uh, unfortunately, heading into it, I knew Jamie Hodges for Michigan City. Their dynamic sophomore point guard had been injured. Yeah, uh, he, he did play some the night before. He didn't start the night before in their game. Uh, he was uh, MIA in this one, so he didn't even play. I didn't even see him there on the bench anywhere, uh, unfortunately. Uh, Michigan, City, Michigan City was winning at the, in the first half. They actually were up by two at halftime. They had a lead as big as 10, I believe, 8 to 10 for most of the first half before uh, – Adams woke up, come out, and took care of the rest of the game. Uh, pushed a lead to 20, close to 30 maybe once or twice before Michigan City came back a little bit. But, but uh, yeah, that, that's my game. Go ahead, yeah, go ahead and finish out since you just – because yeah. I've got a unique situation with, with my list here. So go ahead and finish sure. that out. Your best sure. team was probably Southman Adams. Sure. sure, yeah, definitely. Best team, Southman Adams. I mean, even with Hodges back, I'm not sure sure what they can do against them. I, I, like I've tweeted before, it's going to be a potential sectional showdown. Uh, man, Adams seniors, they're just so tough, and I'm just not sure Hodges is going to make a difference in that game. He's good in tempo. He's really good in tempo, though. Oh, definitely, he's good. I mean, if you yeah. try to get if you if you lengthen the floor, which I think Adams tries to do, correct? Yeah, they'll they'll press you some of the time. I mean, Hodges is going to be really good in that environment, right? right. Uh, but really but good. He, he's going to have to have a special game and have to have some help in that game if if they've got a shot to beat Adams. I feel like now going into yeah. the sectional time, uh, but 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 Adams just has so many parts. I mean. If it's not Columbus one night, it's Saxton. If it's not Saxton, it's King. If it's not King, it's Warsham. I mean, and so on. Like Jeffries is in there too. So, so they just have five guys that can just get you. And and it can be from inside. It can be from outside. It can be attacking the paint. It can be transition. I mean, just so many different ways to beat you. And it's it's going to be fun seeing that sectional. But but I'm just I'm looking at that sectional also. I'm not sure anybody can get them. Yeah, um, I've not seen them. I, I wish, again, that whole couple of those games getting rescheduled last Saturday. Yeah. A, a week from yesterday or a week ago yesterday uh, hurt my chances there. And I, you know, I opted to go see the Jeffersonville Lawrence North game just because of the underclassmen. So 
for, right. for Jeff. Uh, best performance. Who who was the best player of that that game? Uh, it ended up being well. There, I could go a couple different ways, but but Chuck Warsham took over in the second half for him. The third quarter there, he had uh, what I have two, four, six, eight, twelve points coming out of halftime. Mm-hmm. Ended up with seventeen in the game. He just like I said, if it wasn't going to be him, though, it was going to be one of the other dudes. Because yeah. Lynn King, Lynn King finished with fifteen and ten. We featured him this week on a five on five, yeah. uh, and and that's just what he does. He can shoot threes, he can beat you in the post, and he can rebound. Obviously, but but Warsham came out, hit a couple, hit a three or two in that third quarter, hit uh, got to the paint, finished, uh, and uh, that was just the difference. So Warsham's going to be my player of the game for that one. I think I'll yeah. stick with him hit some free throws and just, just was a difference maker in that third quarter for him. My best game of the week was Carmel and Fishers. I thought Fishers, Carmel coming off their, their big win at Lawrence North Fishers coming off their own big win at Westfield. And I thought that that game was going to have to be, sort of a defensive slugfest, and that's what it was. I had Carmel still playing without Waddell. Did not shoot well. I want to say they only hit one three. And I don't know that they shot a ton of threes. I know Orm uh, did not get going from the corner. Like, he did not get going. He had a, probably two or three good looks from the corner that didn't that wouldn't drop. Everything was short. Suter, anything he shot from range was short. Leary, I don't even remember if Leary scored. Talking about guy, you know, a kid that can get heated, you know, could get going. He right. was really good against Lawrence North. Fishers was was defensively was fantastic, and they did a good job of exploiting. They could always find one matchup where they where they could drive a physically inferior player, and that's you know, and that's not to say they've got. Um, it's, I want to. I want to make sure I get his. It's Pruitt. Yeah, here we go. It's Pruitt is um, Jake Pruitt. Nope, that's the JV one. Sorry, the um, uh, where's the? Oh, dang on it! Oh man, I thought that was. Uh... Anyway, <laughs> they've got one guy. At um, where is that? I didn't mark down the varsity starters. I marked down their JV starters. Oh, it's probably Matt Brewer. They have one position. Seems like each time out, where they could take advantage of somebody that's just physically not as strong. Most of it was Jeffrey Simmons. Really taking it to Charlie Williams. Those guys have been going at each other since middle school. And yeah, it is Pruitt. It's Lucas Pruitt. So Lucas Pruitt was the other. The other one was Lucas Pruitt, who, you know, he could drive Orm. He could drive Leary. You know, if he was if he was being guarded even by, um, if he was being guarded by, you know, somebody else, he could, you know, quicker, maybe a little bit stronger than. Um, I'm losing my mind right now. Trying to think of who was playing because it wasn't Waddell. 
but it was Pruitt and Simmons who could drive matchups and make things tough for him. And I thought Carmel did a really good job on Charlie Smith. He and Simmons typically are their, their two leading scorers. And, and Charlie does a lot of things for him. But, but all in all, Fishers had a really good game plan. They were able to exploit some matchups physically that, that had some physical advantages for them. And it's, and it's not like Carmel broke down. You know, these this was possession by possession game, and and Fishers was deliberate. Carmel was deliberate. I think you know, even though they played really well against Lawrence North, you still come out with some uncertainty playing without Waddell, your leading scorer. It's a big weapon. And what Fishers may have had a chance to do is watch how they played without Waddell, you know, versus Lawrence North. I don't know how much film work they had to do. They certainly didn't have time to prepare. They, they just, I thought Fishers did a really good job and was, was really impressed. Then you get a kid like Millsaps, Sean Millsaps, who didn't start for them, came in and hit two big threes. So they were getting the kind of um, the kind of play you'd expect Carmel to have down the stretch, the kind of play that Lawrence North has had at, at times in some of their bigger games. Making plays late, that's exactly what Fishers did and – and, you know, they, they ended up prevailing by one point. So we'll see what happens when Sexler comes around, Waddell's healthy. Uh, that'll, you know, I don't think anybody thought that every game was going to be easy going just because of what happened at Lawrence North. Not even saying that was a fluke. Not a fluke they won. It was, I don't think they were expected to beat Lawrence North by 16 points anytime, let alone without Waddell, so. Which takes me to my best team of the week. Yeah. I, that's Carmel versus <laughs> Lawrence North. That was as impressive of a game, of a game plan, especially that I that I that I've seen all year. Uh, Carmel dissected them, and you know Lawrence North tried to change defenses. They tried to trap them. They tried to extend pressure into the backcourt. Outside of a couple of mishaps, even a guy like Connor, you know, Connor Goya made a couple of mistakes that you don't normally see him make in the LN game. But then once things got settled in, he's, you know, he really steadies things. And Suter handles that pressure well. Um, purposefully didn't talk about him in the Fishers game for a reason that I'll get to next. Um, Karma was impressive versus Lawrence North. And I came out of that thinking, I'm not sure who's going to beat him. You know, when Waddell's healthy. And then, I mean, I know Waddell's not healthy, but then they get beat the next night by Fisher. So, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Osborne could be – Coach Osborne could be too unhappy with their effort. Um, but I know the Fisher's game, they, they left a little bit on the table. They had some opportunities to score. Pretty – I wouldn't say easy baskets – but 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 baskets that were up close and just couldn't get stuff to go in. So, and that puts my top performance of the week individually to Charlie Smith. I don't know what Suter ended up with. He may have, I think he did get the double digits in the Fishers game, but he only had two at halftime. And at a time when you need you need some assurances like Carmel got off to a great start against LN and played with confidence the rest of the game. And the, and the tighter LN got, the more Carmel was able to find openings that never happened against Fishers. 
and the, the the plays that you saw against Lawrence North didn't happen against Fishers. You didn't see you didn't see Wack get to the basket. You didn't see uh, Goya got picked a couple times, it, penetrating. A lot of it. I mean, obviously, a lot of that was because Fishers was so good defensively, and the spearhead of that was Charlie Smith. And I think he deserves some a little bit of a flip here. Normally, we're praising uh, you know bigger offensive performances, but I thought he was outstanding defensively. And he is their he he plays the point for them. He is their primary ball handler. He initiates their offense. Um, other than Fisher's not really being able to score too easily against Carmel, which a lot of teams can't do anyway. Uh, I thought Charlie was outstanding on both ends of the floor. So, and Suter did a nice job of not letting him get shots too, but but I put more kudos to Charlie restricting what Peter could do than the other way around. So, so definitely uh, props to Charlie Smith. So upcoming games this week, I'm going to go, I'm going to throw out a Southern Indiana one since Barney's not going to be with us anymore. And we, we should make sure we get the South represented each week when we do this silver Creek at Floyd central. That should be a really good game. <laughs> That's kind of an understatement. Yeah. Um, but what, what, what game or two are you looking forward to watch this week? All right. So up here, I was looking through some games uh, this week. We've got Big St. Joe Marion game is this week on Friday. Uh, I, have a, I wrote down quite a few, actually, for this week. Uh, Cathedral's coming up to Blackhawk. Yeah. That'll be interesting. That after their loss to Gary West up here. Uh, Gary West also plays Munster, so we'll, that could be maybe kind of interesting. They've been a little bit of a surprise. Uh, and then Munster at Chesterton also. Chesterton just lost to Warsaw, which was interesting to me. Uh, and then Elevation plays Blackhawk also, so we'll see what the Elevation preps got there against Blackhawk. That their post-grad team, their high school? That, I'm not they sure. They can't be there. It's got to be their high school it's gotta team. got to be their high school team, yeah. Yeah. What games are you are you you're going? Which one are you going to? I'm actually not going to any of those games. I'm gonna. Yeah, I know, right? We're <laughs> we're we're looking at different. We're looking for different reasons here. Yeah, um, I'm I'm just kind of going to see other games to teams I haven't seen yet, and I've seen quite yep. a few of those teams I just mentioned. That's uh, fair. Yeah, so I, I think I'm going to be down at Logan Sport on Friday night. They play Anderson. I know Anderson's got some good young talent. Uh, Logan Sport's got Malachi Pearson. I've talked about. Uh, yep. Go and check that out. And then Saturday, I think I'm going to go to Merrillville because they play Culver Academy. Culver Academy is not allowing fans yet. So I'd like to get a look at them before sectional as well. Yeah, Cooper, I, we, we talked about this off the off the air or the other day, actually. Uh, yeah. Curious how Culver is having the issues they are considering how they could just shut down that campus if they had to, I guess. Just bad luck. I mean, I, it's definitely not an indictment of anything other than right. just bad luck. But it make it seems to me that they would be a place that could really restrict it. Definitely. Um, but it just shows how how pervasive this this freaking virus has been. So yep, yep. Uh, games coming up at least in this area. Looking forward to Greenwood at Plainfield. That's going to be a good game. Both teams are having really good years. Um, Plainfield sort of announced their presence early in the year by kind of whipping up on North Central. Uh, HSC at Carmel is Friday night after HSC took Homestead down to the wire and it took a 
ESPN number one, number <laughs> yeah. one highlight of the day to to beat HSC when Luke Goody hit a corner jumper like a little, I don't know, like you call like a back shoulder turn catch and just looked like it looked as comfortable as ever. And then uh, Ellen at Ben Davis. I think that game takes on a little bit more meaning now that, that Brewer is playing. Definitely. And they've actually finagled their starting lineup a little bit a couple of times in his return. And, and they are, um, they're playing a couple of their upper, you know, their upperclassmen more than what they were earlier in the year. So, so those are some of the better games. You'd already named Cathedral at Fort Wayne Blackhawk. Uh, those, those are some of the better games. So, that we're looking forward to. I'm not sure which games I'm going to get that point of the year where I get really, really lazy and just go to Carmel games, but um, <laughs> not this year. Uh, maybe <laughs> we'll see oh. well, they, they, the schedule, you know, it's nice to schedule these teams around here play. There's always going to be good games. So right. you haven't decided which games I'm going to yet. That Ellen at BD game is interesting. I want to see how Ellen bounces back. So, um, and then Fishers and Brownsburg tomorrow, tomorrow night will, will be a good game. Probably have the better chance of going to that game than the three games I named. So uh, let's get our sponsorship reads and then we'll go right to hot takes. Yeah. All right. Let me see. Box Out Sports, the leading online graphic solution, giving you the ability to create professional content to highlight your student athletes in seconds and also your teams. Uh, sign up for a free demo at boxoutsports.com. As always, remember that's not just basketball, that's for volleyball, softball, baseball, anything. Boxoutsports.com. Of course, that Indiana podcast is on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. You can subscribe via each of those apps and have them delivered straight to your phone, tablet, or desktop. We would definitely appreciate ratings and reviews. And those that have given us the, the ratings and reviews, we thank you a lot. And those that listen every week, we definitely thank you guys a lot too. So our uh, listenership has been pretty steady after a sharp, after a sharp incline a few weeks ago. So we're, we're pleased with that and looking forward to continue to bring this podcast even, even throughout the off season. So moving on to our hot takes, we are going to keep, make it easy for you this week, Zach. Yes. All we need to know, we're going to talk a little bit about some of these Super Bowl prop bets, but eventually we're going to ask for a winner and a score. All right. Do you have any uh, – I don't gamble. Uh, I don't definitely don't gamble on games uh, other than maybe like a NCAA bracket. Do you, do you have any, uh, any prop bets that you like even just talking about? Uh, I was looking through some stuff here. I kind of found some things while we were chatting online. Uh, I saw Brady interception before touchdown. What's your thought on that? Man, that's so tough. He's it seemed like he struggled a little bit against the Packers. I'm, I would take that one. I'm going to take interception before touchdown for Brady. Yeah, you know what? I would too, actually, but I don't like Brady. So there you go. Oh, <laughs> um, it's, it's gonna it's tipping my hot take. Yeah, mine too. There's some here's some neat. Gameplay props. Will there be a scoregami in this game? And for those that don't know what a scoregami is, I didn't know. 
but it's listed right here. A unique final score in NFL history. So of all of the scores in the previous Super Bowls, will there be a unique score this time? Yes is plus 1,100. No is negative 1,400. Opening kickoff return for a touchdown. Safety during the game. Any quarter to be scoreless. Both teams to score a touchdown, their opening drive. Those are some of the prop bets. I'm not going to go down. Oh, here we go. Here's one that's interesting. What will happen first? Kansas City scores points or Kansas City punts? Oh, I'll take the punt. I'm taking the the punt. Really? All right. All right. Now for the big hot takes. Who's going to win? What's the score going to be? All right. I'm taking Buccaneers. 31-28. 31-28. You're going close, huh? I'm going close. I'm going Kansas City Chiefs, 38-14. to 14. Oh, all right. I don't like Tom Brady. Ah. <laughs> I say I don't like guys that beat my team constantly, but I love Jordan, I so I don't know. <laughs> all right, man, that's it. We uh, Again, th- for those that listen every week, we appreciate it. Zach, good job. Thanks. See everybody next week.